0: Bleak is this, Welcome back to another episode of the 4-4 Brew Pod. Joined today, Caleb Fotenhauer. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Patrick Cleary, also with us today. Patrick, how are you doing?
1: I'm on thin ice here. I know I some comments I made in the last, the last time we recorded about uh, Kristen Pulisic and certain American amusement parks that won't be named, um, <laughs> you know, led to the episode being canned. So, uh, today I promise to be on my best behavior, ready for some good, clean podcasting.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been a while since we've pumped out a podcast, so it'd be very much appreciated if you didn't threaten a, uh, theme. Hey, no one
1: said threaten. One. No one needs to know exactly the domestic terrorist, <laughs>
0: All right. Well, we've got a packed show, so we'll jump uh, jump right into it. Starting at the Emirates, uh, Liverpool two Arsenal nil in the Carabao Cup semi semifinal. Uh, uh, Diego Jota doubles sees Liverpool go through to Wembley to face Chelsea in the final at the end of February. Uh, Patrick, I'll throw this one to you first. Uh, being a Liverpool fan and all, uh, what was your what was your takeaway from this game?
1: Uh, well, I thought the game was really won in midfield. Um... Arsenal obviously missing Xhaka after one of his uh, characteristic red card tackles in the first leg. Um, and Thomas Partey only made the bench because he woke up this morning in Cameroon and, you know, flew to yeah. London to play. Uh, so Arsenal are shorthanded in midfield, and um, Liverpool uh, managed to dominate possession that way. I thought Fabinho had an outstanding game, as did Curtis Jones. I, I noticed this last time we were – uh, talking, I was saying how the trio of Fabinho, Keda, and um, Oxlade Chamberlain were like a really formidable uh, combination that Liverpool have rarely got to employ because of all of three of their various injuries. Um, and today it was another trio we haven't seen much of Fabinho, Jones, and Henderson. Uh, I thought Henderson wasn't that great, but the other two, I, I just, the, the point is, I think when you pair up like an attacking dribbling midfielder like Jones with uh, a really, you know, tough defensively solid stopper like Fabinho, you um, you see Liverpool kind of dominate games like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think Arsenal were really good for the first 10 minutes and I kind of thought they were going to end up um, playing well for the whole game. I thought they were going to win. Uh, but Jota kind of scored a messy like goal from nowhere, dribbled, three or four players, put the ball between three players. And um, from there, Arsenal never really looked like, uh, looked like they were going to get back into it and win it. So um, yeah. Caleb, what did you think of uh, Arsenal's performance?
2: Yeah. um, I think overall it was disappointing. I was going to say the exact same thing that you said with the midfield. I think there was some key absences, which has been kind of the story of the season for Arsenal. Um, because, and, I, and going in, I knew that there could be some issues. Arteta used uh, Sambi Lekonga, who is relatively new and pretty inexperienced, and he played him as kind of a lone center mid behind Odegaard and, what, Smith Rowe. Um, and I've found that watching Arsenal this season, when they've used that system, they're not quite sound enough in the midfield. Um I think Arteta prefers to play with a double pivot, usually with Partey and Jaka, And with Jaka out and Partey unavailable for the first half, or at least start the game, you know, it made that a little bit difficult. I think that Arsenal, without that midfield stability, while they have a lot of uh, youthfulness and creativity, like on the outsides, um, you know, it's always going to be tough when you can't control the middle of the field. And... You know, I thought I thought Liverpool were good. I don't think they, you know, destroyed Arsenal in that by any means. But I think Arsenal after the first 10 minutes didn't really offer too much. And you know, I think there are some pretty clear signs. At least as an Arsenal fan, um, there's you know some key areas that need to be addressed in terms of uh, strengthening the squad. Um, and since it is January, it's going to be interesting. You know what happens, but. Again, it was just lack of discipline and missing some players and just not quite having enough um, you know, in the final third that cost Arsenal the game and that's a bit of a, a repeated thing uh this season. So um, you know, it, at the end of the day it, it is what it is. I honestly am more upset by with the Partey red card, honestly, than uh, missing out on the final. Obviously you would love to go to the final, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we moved to, to Burnley at the weekend.
1: I thought it was a ridiculous decision for Marquette to, in, to risk a guy who had, like, just got off a seven- or eight-hour flight um, when you're already, like, shorthanded. And uh, it, it was even, like, I thought the midfield battle was lost, but Arsenal could have got it back into the way, back into the match another way. I just, I couldn't understand him bring him on, and then course like he got sent off and now now they've got even more problems for big tough match uh at Burnley on Sunday so right yeah
2: I think the uh, the thinking there was in terms of you know Arsenal's bench there wasn't too much to uh to offer and I think Arteta was trying to change the game Partey normally is fairly level-headed um he's not the guy you'd expect to get sent off in in 20 minutes but um I mean, the only other option in midfield is the 17-year-old Charlie Patino, who has uh, appeared once for the club. And so, you know, it's, it's limited. So I guess I could see the, the risk, and it clearly didn't pay off. And now Arsenal will have to uh, sign Jack Wilshere on a one-week deal for midfield <laughs> cover at the weekend. That'd be
1: great. I'd love to see that. Just like, you just pay him in cigarettes. Oh,
2: yeah. Just after the game, yeah. say, Jack, you know we'll let play. you shower. We'll let you shower and smoke cigs uh, if you can just shoot up. But,
1: I think it would work. Uh, no, I, I kind of thought um, the other thing was that I, I thought both goals, Jota obviously did very well, um, but I thought Ramsdale maybe could have done better on both, especially the first one. Uh, yeah. I guess, yes, I, I agree on the he was first an, one. unsighted, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I to, that was a little... Wanted... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I just wanted to ask. Um, I thought the best player in the pitch today was Martinelli. I was, like, completely... as Every so often I watch him and I'm completely blown away. Um, but I like to ask you this question every so often. Check in, see if your answer changes. But of Arsenal have obviously have all these, like, kind of amazing, talented, young attacking players. They have Saka, Odegaard... Um, uh, Smith Rowe Martinelli. So, which one do you think will have the best career?
2: Um, it's a tough one. I think, in general, take your probably, time. Probably, probably. I'll just say, I'll probably Martinelli. I would say um, him or Saka. But I think that the four of them all, you can make a case for any of the four of them, which makes a difficult question, but I would say Gabby. Yeah. Gabby Martinelli. Yeah. I was really impressed with him today. I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of talent there. And just to think that Unai Emery plucked him out of the third division in Brazil. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing. Amazing gift from Don Unai. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I don't know. But I, I think Martinelli was, I would say, their best player. Him and Odegaard really impressed me today. Other than that, I thought the team was fairly poor. And I thought on Liverpool side, Fabinho, Curtis Jones, and obviously Hota, I think, were their standouts. Um, but I actually, Curtis Jones did impress me a good bit. He looked a lot better than uh, Milner did last week. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, it's amazing
1: to think that they almost let him go in the summer. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that he's – and he's only 21 or 22 years old. I think he's going to be um, – especially you look at like Henderson getting older and I think his form has been off this season. I don't know. I, I would not let him go. I think he's I think he's a good case to be made. He'll be the future of Liverpool's midfield. So. Oh, yeah.
0: All right, well, so going off of the – red card for thomas Partey. let's move to uh this isn't confirmed yet but Granit jaca being potentially investigated by the fa for purposely receiving a yellow card in their 4-1 win over leads uh caleb do you would you grace the listeners with this story
2: <laughs> yeah so i guess this week came out yeah, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Ever since you know Amazon got their cameras behind the scenes at Arsenal, it just feels like every week there's just something ridiculous. So this week, it's uh, apparently the FA is investigating some suspicious bets that were placed on Granit Xhaka receiving yellow cards in certain matches. And the one that came into question was his yellow card uh, against Leeds when Arsenal were four-one up and cruising in eighty, and it was eighty minutes had gone, and he got a yellow card for time wasting. And apparently, uh, a very large bet—I think around uh, 65,000 uh, Great British Royal Pounds—were placed on, on that happening. Now, I don't know, you know, who is to blame or if it, there's even a case, but it certainly is suspicious. However, we all know Grenadilla and his capabilities of getting yellow cards. So, honestly, that whoever placed that bet—I think, uh, you know—was just wise financially and economically. But. It's uh certainly fishy.
0: Yeah, I mean we were talking about this before but like anybody you, anybody places that amount of money on anything to happen in like the sports betting world, you've got to think that there's maybe something wrong with them. When you really dive into the stats of Granit Xhaka, it's a really what you're saying it's a really safe bet. Cuz he has something safe, like guys. 62 yellow cards since 2019 for Arsenal. He's a walk-in booking. Yeah. And tack on five more reds with that too. So,
2: yeah, it's, it's just another thing in a series of just crazy events that, you know, I blame Amazon for. I blame uh, Jeff Bezos. But, uh, no, we'll see. I think Jocka hopefully he'll be cleared because Arsenal need midfielders or else they're going to be really screwed.
0: Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll move on to uh, Everton 1, Norwich 2. Uh, Norwich, with this win, are now only one point from safety. Uh, Rafa Benitez, however, for since sacked after the game. Uh, Wayne Rooney, Frank Lampard, some of the names that have been in the mix for permanent manager. Patrick, who do you think will take over the reins at Goodison Park?
1: Uh, I think it is probably going to be Rooney. Um, they've tried uh, everything else, they have gone the proven winner route with Ancelotti. You know, they've gone like the up and coming tactician um, uh, with uh, Marco Silva Um, they've gone route one like defensive with Big Sam Uh, so I think the next route is like aging ex-player who under quote unquote understands the DNA and that's got to be Rooney (laughs) I mean unless they want to keep Duncan Ferguson or maybe they'll poach Tim Howard from B T Sports do us all a favor uh But I think <laughs> why not Jose? I, I think that it's yeah. Why not? Why not Landon Donovan? uh it, After his loan spell oh, in January twenty eleven uh, at <laughs> at Everton, he he really understands the DNA. He's I think available, or maybe he's coaching like the San Diego women's team or something. I don't know, but you could get him. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, Arsenal are a mess. They have since uh, Farhad. Oh, sorry, Everton. Yeah, Arsenal, they're doing fine. Sorry, my apologies <laughs> to all of the Arsenal supporters out there. I'm just thinking about Messi. But... Okay, so since Farhad Machiri came in and bought the club in 2016, they have a net spend of something like $200 million, Um, and they've gone through five or six managers and they haven't like got close to the Champions League. I haven't got a snail. Um, I think they have to they they just have to keep trying different stuff and like commit to one it, i mean i don't know i i i love it it makes me happy uh, i don't even really think of everton as liverpool's rivals anymore it's like it's like how you know there's like nottingham forest used to be liverpool's rivals and wouldn't even play them anymore so <laughs> i don't know but it would be very funny if they went down i don't think they will but it they could get dragged into it
0: do you do you think kind of going off of that? Do you think Everton are one of these teams? that's, like quote too good to go down, being just like not like not that they're performing well this season, but they, I mean they've been in the division for.
2: I don't think they've ever been relegated. Yeah, I think yeah. they're one of those teams that never yeah. have.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and I I do think they're too good to go down. Like at least this year, there's I mean Norwich are really bad, Watford are pretty bad, Burnley are bad, Newcastle are bad there's no way they're going to be worse than three of those or yeah or I guess they only need to be worse than two of them but I don't think they are they still have a bunch of world-class players um so yeah I don't think they'll go down unfortunately but it'd be very funny if they did it'd be very funny if that man Newcastle went down my question is was Rafa
2: Benitez actually secretly on the books at Liverpool this season you know, Klopp has been deploying the dark arts recently. It wouldn't uh, surprise me. You know, a little uh, inside double agent type of type of situation.
1: It would be like the most well, I mean, obvious double it. agent of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Even if that's true, you it should still you should still blame Everton for like hiring him anyways. You know, uh, he bleeds See, Liverpool red.
0: The thing that I, the thing that has just been tough for me to wrap my head around is that like what like four or five days before. He's sacked. He sanctions the departure of Luca Dean to Aston Villa, and their best you're, player. Like the, yeah, and yeah. if you're in the Everton board and you know that like the manager probably won't last for like a couple more weeks, why do you allow him to get rid of like just un, like undoubtedly your best player, and like not like sell him abroad, you sell him to another team in the division.
1: Yeah, a rival. It just yeah, shows the
0: shambles that Everton are in. <laughs>
1: Um, it's insane it is totally uh, incomprehensible it's a circus, is, yeah, it's a, circus. It's a circus and you know what I'm enjoying I'm just enjoying being along for the ride but yeah I think it's gonna be Rooney I mean maybe supposedly they've made all these offers to Roberto Martinez but it seems like insane to me that he would consider leaving Belgium 10 months before the World Cup um, when he is what, you'd say probably the fourth or fifth favorite to win it, Belgium. They're number one in the FIFA rankings right now. Um, it's like a cushy job. You have lots of good players, and uh, you don't have, like, insane... You have
2: to do work one every four yeah. years or whatever. And Everton
1: fired him when they shouldn't have. Like, they insulted him already, you know? It's crazy. It is crazy that
0: they think that they did that now. Um, the fans did that sit-in in Goodison Park. Yeah. Oh, like, I, what's that? I think, like... What six years ago now or something like that? It was because Liverpool why beat them four
1: 0 there. <laughs> that was why, that is that was that was actually why it was the peak, the very peak of DiBakeregi's career. And then he got during that game he got a slide tackle from Ramiro Funes Mori, um, and uh, he was injured after that, and he's never been the same since. But I remember after the game looking at like the Facebook comments, like like when Liverpool posted Liverpool four Everton nil, and the top comment was from some guy. Uh, Ramiro Funes Mori is um, Argentinian. The top comment was from some guy, and it was, fuck off Funes Mori, the Falklands are ours. <laughs> it's like very very funny to think that they're still fighting that war <laughs> over there.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Let's move uh, to the King Power. Spurs 3, Leicester 2. Uh, Tottenham now have the record for the latest into a game that a team has been losing that they go on to win were losing at the 94, 90, or basically the 95th minute. And a late injury time double from Steve Bergwijn sees Tottenham take all three points. Uh, Spurs had, in this game, the highest expected goals of any team in the Premier League this season. This round was like 4.5 or something like that. Uh, Harry Kane tacked on a goal and then the assist to Bergwijn's winner, uh, they're still unbeaten in the Prem under Antonio Conte, moving to fifth, only a point off West Ham in fourth. Uh, either either of you two catch this game, or if you did, what were your thoughts?
2: I uh, did. I saw the probably the last what fifteen minutes. Um, I think, like honestly, Spurs left it. I mean, they obviously left it late. I don't even think they needed to have to score two in stoppage time because I thought they seemed like they were kind of all over Leicester. I thought Leicester were fairly sloppy, um, but I mean, just honestly, I don't even really care about Leicester. Obviously, I didn't want Spurs to win, but like, I was mad just like watching that happen. So I can't even imagine as a uh, a Leicester supporter. Absolute bottle job. Um, and Broj, you know, he's a serial bottler, and <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith in Leicester. You know, I think Arsenal were looking at T- Yuri Tieleman's um, to sign this summer in midfield. But after watching what he did to allow that last goal, I mean, you can't come anywhere near the Emirates, I don't think.
0: Well, it kind of seems like – It seemed – because when I watched him kind of just piss away possession to Hoiberg, like he was a minute and a half after like the five minutes of added time like that were allotted. So I think he kind of thought that the whistle would just go. Um, right.
2: But that's just not how it works and like as a professional – you should yeah. know that. yes, yeah. it just yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know. It like it reminded me honestly of I was playing FIFA, and a similar thing happened. I tried to just smash the ball into the corner, and I thought the <laughs> game would be over. And then sure enough, they just went down and scored.
0: Oh, we've all done, um, that. We've all done
2: that. So yeah, I think just the game management is just shocking from from the t- from the Foxes, and uh, yeah, Broj and his men should hang their heads in chain.
0: I mean, so Leicester are, are now in tenth. Um, Is Brendan Rodgers' job in danger? I feel like it's really not talked about that much. I mean, because he... They were they needed, what, a draw to secure Champions League last year, and then they bottled to Spurs again. um, Oh, yeah. In, like, the closing stages, and then they get dropped to the Europa League. And then they bounce out of Europa League. So they're now playing in the ultimate competition, the Conference League. Yeah. like, how much longer do Leicester stick with Brennan Rodgers? Because it's not... he. Besides, I mean, he, they won the FA Cup last year. Um, Which is probably why he's still in the job. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, just going off of, like, league results, like, just, like, domestic results, though, like this season, it's been... It's, as you said, it's been shocking. Yeah, but I
1: don't think they'll get rid of him. I, I kind of think that Leicester have... I mean, they have, I think, pretty obviously very smart owners, and they'll look around and see if there's not that many great managers to be had right now. Um, Rodgers will... I don't think he'll finish outside the top 10 ever for them. Uh, they've had... They have been unlucky with injuries this year. Um, and, you know, they were unlucky last year and the year before to not get into the Champions League. So, yeah, I. I don't. Th- I don't think he needs to be that worried, but... I don't know. It, once If they kind of can't stay in that top 10 group, then maybe you should be. Maybe maybe Rafa Benitez will be inbound. Lester.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair to Leicester too, as you said with the injuries, they were missing Jamie Vardy, Ricardo Pereira, and Wesley Fofana as well. So, I mean, the back line. Soyuncu was just... After he screamed in Borgwine's oh, face man. for going down too soft. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. And... <laughs> dropped to the floor for Kane's first goal, and then punched the ball after it had gone in uh, for Bergwijn's winner. <laughs> Disgraceful! Is just, is after seeing the big him yell Bergwine like that, it, oh, it just made me so happy to see him with his face in the ground, pounding, pounding the turf with his fists.
2: Yeah, I don't dare I say. Uh, do you think Liverpool tries to deploy another another double agent on Everton in Brendan Rodgers? Something to think about. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't think they'll make that mistake twice. The I garage. don't well, I don't think will on ever. on side Hire another former Liverpool I any. Mean, I mean, they had to have learned you now. Like that person yeah, is on They under never learned. that. Uh, yeah, they they, they really don't. Learn. Yeah, maybe they will. <laughs> let's get <at> Kenny Douglas.
0: <laughs> yeah, kid Kenny, yeah. get Steven Gerrard. Yeah. In. All right, let's move to Man United 3, Brentford 1. Uh Patrick, you said you watched uh, the second half of this match, which conveniently is where most of the action happened, so yeah, well, please I, I, regale us with your tales. I did
1: see a bit of the first half, and Brentford were good enough to win it. De Gea made two spectacular saves to uh, keep United in the game, um, and then in the second half, Brentford was clear through again and wasn't able to finish, um, and... Then United had a couple of good breakaways. It was the best I've seen Bruno Fernandes play in a while. Um, and then Ronaldo was subbed off, and his replacement Rashford scored. Ronaldo threw a tantrum. Um, so I, I think that it Renford, like they, like last weekend um, against Liverpool, they played really well in the first half, were probably good enough for a point or three, but in the second half they crumbled in the face of like superior, extensively assembled opposition. Uh, I think, I don't know, it reminded me a little bit of how you used to see Sheffield United play. The season they were really good in the Premier League, um, which makes me worried a little bit about what they're going to do next year. Like, you, need, you need your guys, you need Ivan Tony to be scoring goals. Um, as for United, I think that like all the talk about the, this is the beginning of the Rangnick revolution, that's overblown, <laughs> right? I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. if maybe if he can like start to get Bruno Fernandez to play like he was a year ago, then they'll at least be you know competitive in the race for the top four. But I still think there's too many issues. I I found out they haven't scored in the past 107 corner kicks, which I think the the normal average for corner kicks is you score on about four percent of them. So that's not very good. Um 0 for 107. Uh, which is surprising because they have um, some great headers of the ball. They have uh, Maguire, who we – the so-called slab head, right? And Ronaldo. Yeah, massive target. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, I don't know. That I mean, that goes to show, like, disorganization a little bit, right? Uh, I, I also found out that all of these corners have taken place since they hired a special set-pieces uh, coach who was supposed to sort them out on this, so – I don't know. I'd be worried. Or that guy. Worried about my job. I want that guy. Yeah, (laughs) I think you could do weird stuff with corner kicks. And I I think it's – we don't see enough strange, uh, like, trick play corner kicks. Right. Yeah, I think he came from Chelsea.
2: That's what I'm looking up. He's a a young man. But, uh, yeah, I I think Man United are just – there's too much going on in terms of their squad and their management. I mean, I saw a story. It could have been sensationalized, but that was a few weeks back that their dressing room had kind of divided into two cliques. It was the Portuguese speakers and the non-Portuguese speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like Ronaldo, hope, Bruno, Alex true. Tevez, Fred. It was like all these guys and then all like and everyone else. And it was like two sides. And it just seems fractured. And it, I don't know. I don't think that Man United will finish in the top four. I think they'll probably finish 6th mcguire
1: Maguire's got to get on Duolingo. Portuguese Duolingo, very easy. During COVID, I got really good (laughs) at it. I would come in there like, go by, you know, all that stuff. You know, it's just like, you just try to speak Spanish, but, like, hold your nose and, like, I don't know, um, try to sound like you're slurring all your words. And that's basically, that gets you there. So I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure maybe De Gea gives out some Spanish lessons and then everyone kind of takes my advice about, about... getting the accent and oh, this would solve everything. Yeah. Right I should yeah. I should pay if, you if you're listening, or, download exactly. do <laughs> I should be hired as the corner kick and Portuguese language coach at uh Man United and I would sort things right out. <laughs> Actually going I wanna talk kills. about did you ever have like any we had a coach when I was in high school playing for Naperville Galaxy, uh this Congolese guy named Bobo, who would steal money from us. He was a this whole story, but um he uh, had us do this trick corner kick where you'd have, you'd send the worst player out on the team to take the corner which would be me. And then, and then like you would just touch, like barely graze the balls so that was in play and then say, Oh, Hey, actually you, Josh, you come take the corner. And then Josh runs out then he dribbles, supposed to dribble the ball into the box and they're not going to, and it's such a stupid, it was a completely stupid play because like by the time anyone realized what was happening, like, you wouldn't have gained that much ground and all the players are still like in the box in front of the goal. So it it never worked, but uh, I, I think maybe Man United could, could do it. You give it, you have Sancho out there, Ronaldo comes to take it. No, it could work. I
0: don't know. All right. Well, going off of Caleb's prediction that United will finish in sixth. (laughs) (laughs) Just moving on. (laughs) Uh, Who slots into that fourth spot then? Arsenal. Do you really think so, or are you just saying that?
2: Um, well, I guess it kind of depends what happens this this window. If Arsenal get a midfielder in, and if they sign Vlahovic, the big serve, I think definitely. If they don't bring in a striker, it'll be close. I just think that all three contenders, Spurs, Arsenal, and United, are all, I think, in a similar position in terms of their ability to bottle opportunities. So it'll kind of just be a bottle-off. Um, but... I think those are the big three that are contending. And I, I I think it'll be Arsenal, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't,
0: you know. So where does West Ham then go? Them being in fourth at the moment. Um Do they fall all the way to seventh?
2: Uh I think they finish sixth or
1: seventh, yeah.
0: Patrick, what about you? I kinda think it's
1: gonna be Arsenal too. Um I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think all the other teams listed are still in the either in the FA Cup, the Champions League, or the uh, Conference League. And um, yes. you know, Arsenal have nothing, nothing else to worry about. But Champions League. I, They have 18 games left this season as of yeah. today. Um, also, all those other teams I think have had, Spurs have had a ton of postponements. There's going to be weird stuff happening for the rest of the season. They're going to have to make like triple game weeks where teams are playing like, every two days for two weeks. Um, and that is going to create some weird, crazy results. So I just kind of think Arsenal have not missed that many games. They don't have that many to reschedule, and they don't have the, um, those other competitions, like, bugging you know, up their midweeks. So I think it'll – I kind of have a feeling it'll break for them, but I don't know. It's definitely the biggest test still hard to of, say. Of, of Arteta's reign so far.
2: Right. I mean, I, I, mean if you look at the table now, Arsenal have played three less games than Chelsea. And, you know, obviously points in, or games in hand is not equal points. But if Arsenal were to win the three games they have in hand, they would be equal with Chelsea right now. And with Chelsea, they've been in a bit of a rough patch recently. I don't know what you guys think in terms of if they'll be able to refine their form. But, I mean, we're only in January. I don't, do you think that the top three are a lock? Because I think the top two of City and Liverpool are, but Chelsea have been interesting. If they drop more points in the next few weeks, they could very well be in a, a battle for the top four.
0: I think a lot of it kind of comes down to Chelsea's game on Sunday against Spurs. If they don't take yeah, that is a big points, one. which if their performance is against us across two legs uh, the last two wow, weeks yeah. are in <laughs> indication, they should comfortably win. But if they don't, I mean, they also should have comfortably beat Brighton as well so
2: no exactly but they've been a little shaky
0: being at the bridge and and playing in front of your own supporters as well um I I mean I feel like they'll probably win um but I mean yeah I mean if they lose then yeah I think they are definitely in danger of falling down to either fourth probably not fifth but then yeah that blows the whole race open again yeah yeah
2: Who do you think is going to finish fourth, Patrick?
0: Uh, yeah, I think Arsenal probably will. Um, I like Spurs to finish fifth, though. I think they're... I, but yeah, I mean, it all with Arsenal as well, I mean, it all depends on if Spurs can do anything in this window, only having 11 days left to seal a couple signatures um, and hopefully not let anybody uh, such as Steven Bergwijn leave. Uh, given that we always seem to be riddled with injuries or, I guess Spurs were lucky to not, to my knowledge, I don't think anybody from Spurs was playing in AFCON, um, so we didn't Aurier? have... Oh no, he's gone. Yeah, no, Serge doesn't play for Tottenham anymore, um, but we found his heir apparent in Everson Royale, is is useless defensively and is useless on the attack as well, um, but yeah, I mean, now with Son injured until the beginning of February, Romero hasn't Romero hasn't played uh, since November. Dyer's been out for the last three games as well. So Jeff Atanganga's had to slot into that center back role, and he's been appalling to say the least. Um, so he's rumored with a move away to Milan on loan till the end of the year. So he's one that I would be totally fine with leaving to. Maybe play some consistent game time in Italy and come back. But uh, yeah, I saw.
2: I, I saw Ndombélé is linked with PSG for the rest of the season on
0: loan. Yeah, fuck's sake, just take him, <laughs> please. Highest wage earner at Spurs never plays, <laughs> and I, I don't know why he would want to go play for Poch again. He never played under Poch. Like those for he played in like he did really well in his debut, and then after that, Poch just like didn't want to play him. And you spend sixty five million or something like that. Did Potch
2: buy him? Was Potch
0: there when they bought him? Yeah. It was the that was the last window that Poch was around. Um Be I mean yeah, being the that yeah, that's what I didn't understand is why he was never playing. He was a club record signing that Poch wanted and then got after like a year of not buying anybody in the window. Um so, yeah, it didn't really make too much sense to me, but he said Ndombele has always, like, seen Spurs as a stepping stone to either, like, PSG or Real Madrid, so I guess he right. probably doesn't but Wasn't really it, like,
2: uh, wasn't he, like, using Moussa Sissoko as his translator maybe when he left? You just like nah, fuck it.
0: <laughs> there was yeah, there was that like at the beginning of uh the, yeah, the first season that he was in twenty nineteen, he would only like oh. <laughs> he would only be able to talk to Moussa and then Serge Aurier and Hugo Loris. <laughs> Anybody who didn't speak French fluently, he was unable to have a conversation with.
2: Get him on Duolingo.
0: <laughs> Cause there's on the all or nothing doc, whenever you like, whenever they do interviews with him, it's always in French. And then when he he had, like, a meeting with Mourinho and Daniel Levy at the end of the year when he said he wanted to leave, and he had to have, like, two translators in the room. <laughs> so, yeah, f- fair. Good luck to him, but please, please leave. Uh, move to the had City 1, Chelsea 0. Uh, brilliant Kevin De Bruyne goal. Uh, Kappa beaten once again from outside the area. Uh, Patrick, what was your takeaway from this game?
1: Uh. Well, Tuchel tried to do the same thing he did last year in the Champions League and FA Cup, and it almost, almost worked. Um, I think, yeah, maybe Mendy would have saved that. It was, it was a good shot, but it wasn't. A, I don't think it was perfect. I mean, maybe Kepa could have done slightly better. But I, what I really was struck by was um, Chelsea. Their front three was Ziyech, Lukaku, Pulisic. Uh, Ziyech cost I think forty million. Lukaku, 110, and Pulisic, 72. So all in all, it's like a 220 million pound or euro. I don't know which currency working in here, but 220 million somethings of attack. That's as expensive um, as uh, cities. Um, it's more expensive than cities. And they were terrible. They, they, Lukaku basically had two big chances and made the wrong decision in both of them. Um, Ziyech looked about as fast as I would be out there. Um, I mean, he completely (laughs) slowed the game down and Pulisic, you basically didn't notice. Uh, it, it, I mean, Chelsea are like more expensive Everton. Like they've made, they just have bought whoever the hot player is in the window. They bought him for the past four or five windows since that transfer ban happened. And arguably, like, since a came, game. That's kind of been their strategy. They have this huge empire of players on loan everywhere, all scattered across the world. But, like, at the top level, they just don't fit together. They don't work. Um, I mean, I think maybe we can say Pulsic is not good enough for this level. I, I kind of feel confident saying that now after he's actually, like, on an extended run in the, in the Chelsea team since December. Um, but you know so that's that's a problem your 72 million dollar player is not good enough uh, but a bigger problem is that Lukaku cost 110 also seems not good enough i mean he still is he not able to, to he still is not able to score in big games he's he's going in you know on sky sports italia or whatever and making these incendiary comments
0: um yeah, how long until he's apologizing to the inter milan fans for his performance against yeah
1: exactly but you know <laughs> it's worse uh well, the problem is that they they aren't going to get rid of these guys. I mean, I, as I haven't heard that Newcastle is trying trying to poach Wilsick or Ziyech. Even they aren't that dumb. Um, so what's going to happen is they're going to get rid of Tuchel, and that's a huge huge problem because he's a brilliant manager, but they aren't going to be able to hold on to him. It'll be Rafa Benitez back at back at Stamford oh, Bridge man. by the end back of the, the, by the end of the year. I mean, it's it's totally um, totally stupid. But, I don't know. It, it, beyond that, it's just, like, depressing. I mean, City, uh, uh, to- like, strangled the game. They took all of the energy out of it. They made it completely uninteresting. Um, they're going to win the league this year. It's the I, I guess I haven't been on the podcast since that became a foregone conclusion. But four times in the past five years, and I think, what is it, seven of the past 11, that – they're going to have one in I mean that's not good for the league is it like it's not as much fun to watch now. there's zero jeopardy in it and it's I don't know it's a big problem but you can't even say it's because they have completely outspent all the other teams because they they haven't outspent um, Chelsea I don't think they even outspent like Aston Villa in the last window but they it doesn't matter Like, they just have to I, I don't know I don't know what's going to do we just have to wait for Pep to leave I mean is there is there no league until then I don't know, it's just really depressing.
0: Well, did you see it's been I think either today or yesterday was like the 1 year anniversary of Lampard getting sacked and at this moment in time Chelsea are further away from first place than when they were like when they fired Lampard.
1: That's really funny.
0: I mean, bar the Champions League glory, but that's just a funny stab yeah. I saw. I mean, they
1: uh, I they sh- it was the correct decision firing Lampard obviously, but Yeah. And it would, I think, be an incorrect decision to file I.R. Tuchel, but um, it's like it's kind of their model. Yeah. Well, it's it's just a different set of circumstances. Rinse and repeat. I mean, City got what ninety-three points last year, ninety-five. Like, not that many for them. This year, they're going to get ninety-nine or hundred. They might not lose again. You know, so it's it's that's I think that's they're farther from first place because the first place team this year is better than last.
0: Yeah. Fair. Uh, should we move into some transfer news then um, yeah let's. yeah why not uh, we'll start uh, noted cardiac expert Taylor Twelman reporting that Arsenal have <laughs> put it yeah thanks I thought of that one earlier uh, put in a bid uh, to New England Revolution uh, for the services of uh, US goalkeeper Matt Turner kale um, how would you I guess with the next point of Burnt Lano maybe being on the way to Newcastle what do you think of uh a potential Matt Turner signing.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Leno is too good to be sitting on Arsenal's bench, and I think they could command a decent enough fee for him. Um, and, you know, I don't know a ton about Matt Turner. I saw him, him play a bit for the U.S. this past summer, and he was quite good, and I just heard that, I mean, if Arsenal recruiting the same team that recruited Ramsdale want Matt Turner, I, uh, you know, have faith in him, and I, it'd be good to have another American around. I'm um, on the Arsenal books, so I'm all for it. We'll see if it you know, pans out, but based on you know my sources, looks like this could get over the line. Uh, but, you know, stay tuned.
0: Do you think it's a problem? I'd be very if, interested to see.
1: Sorry, I was going to say, yeah. do you think it's a problem if the U.S. has all their best goalkeepers as backups, like basically never playing?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because you do see that with Stefan, and I feel like that's kind of why Matt Turner's come into the – like, the number one spot for the, uh, for the U.S., because he's just never playing, unless it's, like, a Champions League game that doesn't matter or the about Cup. Plays
2: in the League uh, Cup, yeah. Well, I mean, Turner did come in just because Stefan was hurt. Like, Stefan was still number one. I think there's still a lot to be said of, like, just learning and being in, you know, the environments of, like, City, Arsenal. Like, I think Arsenal, even if you're not playing game in and game out, I think being at Arsenal is probably better than being the starter at New England Revolution. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know. I think you could maybe make the argument both ways, but I still think that, like, being in the environments and being with the coaching staffs at those clubs are probably more beneficial in the long run.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be a situation where, let I me mean, say they sign Matt Turner, maybe they just send him right out on loan. And, like, if, they're, if they aren't able to get rid of Bernaleno, um if that's, like... Their end goal here,
2: yeah, I'm not sure. I think Matt Turner though might have, he might just start as a loan for Arsenal. I don't know if they were going to buy him. I don't know, um, but no, I think that Arsenal need to get rid of Leno for really honestly for Leno's sake because I think he's a pretty capable keeper, and he'd walk into Newcastle starting eleven, and probably help them a good bit. So, I would be all for that. But uh, yeah, in terms of Arsenal lose, I mean, there's not a lot. The, uh, the big story is with the big Serbian goal scorer uh, down in Florence. Um, he's commanding a big wage, and apparently both Arsenal and Fiorentina um, are good to go. Arsenal are ready to spend the money, but there's been kind of the, the big twist in this story has been that uh, Dusan Vlahovic's agent in Serbia wants a pretty large chunk of money for this, for brokering this, uh, this transaction. And so I think there's been some interest in uh, waiting and uh, trying to drive the fee up. But Arsenal are in desperate need of a forward, and I think Vlahovic is, uh, I mean, he's, I think the top goal scorer in Europe this year, and he's quite young. And he, I think he's, it's a similar type of deal to like Holland, him and Holland, I think are fairly comparable, and, uh, you know, it'd be good. And then the other man that Arsenal are looking at is Arthur from Juventus to shore up the midfield. Um, he was on just to be a, a loany for the rest of the year until the summer until they can get someone else in, which I'm not super convinced by, but at this rate, you know, take anyone uh, in the midfield there. And then the biggest shock, last Saturday I saw a-, a report on Twitter was that Arsenal were inquiring about bringing Diego Costa in on a short-term loan, which I would absolutely love. After all those years of hating him for all of his antics and shit, Housery, it'd be great to have him up there just throwing, throwing haymakers at whoever you know tries to bark him.
0: <laughs> it wouldn't even be a loan, would it? Because he's a free agent now, isn't he? Cause yeah, <laughs> I guess.
2: Yeah, it'd be some sort of short term, just like try not to get sent off. I mean, that would, if you want red cards, <laughs> that's the man you want to bring in.
0: Yeah, imagine the money you'd make betting on Granit Xhaka and Diego Costa oh. to be booked. <laughs>
2: Little parlay that hits every time. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: So we'll move to um, some Spurs transfer news um, reports today. Twelve hours after his wonder double, um, Spurs have told Ix that uh, Stephen Bergwijn is no longer for sale after they rejected their. They'll never score again now. Fifth. Yeah, I know. Uh, Yeah, classic. They Ajax put in a bid, it's like around like fifteen million, I think. After they had sold David Neres to Shakhtar, um, and Spurs said they valued him at much higher than fifteen million. So, it'd be in- interesting to see if Ajax come back with a much improved bid. Uh, but Bergwijn is only like twenty three, I think. He's so not a player I'd like to see leave. I mean, even if he doesn't perform well for the rest of the year. Just one of those like young players you kind of hope is still around and developing. Um, and Adama Traore is potentially on his way as well. Um, just trying to hammer out a fee. Conte keen to convert him to a wi- uh, right wing back to replace uh, Matt Doherty and Emerson Royale. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. And they're also in the mix for Vlahovic, but we'll see if that happens. Uh, Patrick, anything from, from the Liverpool front this January?
1: Um can I do like a short rant about the Liverpool owners?
0: Yeah, floor is yours. Okay,
1: so do you guys know like the type of um adult who a type of American adult who like read that book Moneyball and then they started like thinking themselves as like the guy from the big short, you know? Like <laughs> that's that's Liverpool's owners. I mean they are they are refusing to pay Mo Salah um hit like the going rate for the best player in the world um which is it, which is like an absurd amount of money but he's the best player in the world like you have to pay him but they're refusing so I think he I think it's a good chance that he leaves in the summer um and it's because they have like these stupid algorithms and these stupid like you know PhDs in data analytics who are telling them like oh well you know if you look at like, his expected, you know, goals per whatever, and then you, like, cross-reference it with, with his age. Like, it's not going to be great return on, like, per dollar. But, I don't know. It's just, it's this, it, it is so <laughs> immensely frustrating because you look across Europe now, um, you see players like Slaton, 40, you know, banging goals for AC Milan. Um, even uh, Fernandinho, Man City, what is he, 37. Iago Silva, 37 as well. Um, and you have a 38 year old
2: Milner on yeah, your team, yeah.
1: And like you see that now with like modern sports science and like the diets the players have, especially people with like a lifestyle like Salah, where you know that he doesn't like drink or smoke in the shower like Jack Wilshire. He's he's like a, a choir boy. <laughs> He'd be cooler if he didn't. he's did. going to be banging All in the, the goals until cool he's 45. He's going to be he's going to be scoring 20 goals a season for whatever team he's on. Like until I don't know twenty thirty, but they don't want to pay the guy because they're they think they're playing money ball. Um, and now, like you can see, Liverpool last week against Arsenal were completely profligate in the attack. They, they the owners have refused to sign like cover because they ran the numbers and it doesn't work. And they haven't figured out what kind of game they're playing. Like they're they're happy to not win the to to not win the league as long as they're like getting the best like, return on their dollar for because because they're playing the stupid there's these hedge fund dickheads and it is just immensely frustrating so anyways all that is to say there's no players coming in this January they might be shipping Matt Phillips out which I, I think will be okay I think he's probably good enough like to play for I don't know um, Aston Villa he'd be good enough for Newcastle definitely I hope he doesn't go there um, but there's no there's no one coming in there's no one who's going to save us, and uh, we might get pulled into like the tricky race for fourth place since we're not going to be able to score any goals until Solid Money come back from Afcon. End
0: of rant. Oh, thank- no, I was waiting. I was waiting for you to signal the end. Uh, well, any other any other transfer uh, speculation from the two of you before we move on to the African Cup of Nations? I don't believe so. Not for me. Fantastic. So we will move to (laughs) Afcon then. Uh, Algeria and Ghana both eliminated uh, from the tournament. Two probably of the bigger favorites, I'd say, for a tournament like this. Um, Patrick, you had rant part two. This is a special special episode. Two rants. Back-to-back rants. (laughs) What a treat. So I will just throw it back to you. Floor is yours. Uh, Please don't go longer than seven minutes okay
1: okay set your timer now i don't have it's not really like a rant it's just something i find kind of interesting um so many people in the media have criticized rightly criticized Qatar hosting the world cup they have (laughs) patrick just walked out of the room (laughs) He's, he's got some extra time now (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, many, many people have rightly criticized Qatar for their treatment of the workers building the stadiums for like the rights of all the people in the country. Um, and uh, you have not seen the same level of scrutiny applied to the host of the National nations in uh, Cameroon. They were actually supposed to host the cup two years ago, but it had to be postponed and the cup was hosted to Egypt. Um, because uh, there was, and there remains, an ongoing civil war in the country. Um, The details of the civil war are kind of interesting. I I won't, like, get into them too much, because it's, like, this is a soccer podcast, but um, most, usually when you have civil wars in, to generalize, when you have civil wars in South Africa, they're, like, long ethnic or religious lines. But um, the conflict in Cameroon is between, uh, is over language. It's between... Uh, the Francophone-controlled government and uh, the English-speaking Anglophone uh, regions in along the Nigerian border. Uh, all this like goes back to the complex and like, treaties and stuff about how England and France divided up Cameroon when they took it over from Germany after the Treaty of Versailles. <laughs> but like I said, we don't need to get into all of it. Basically, the French-speaking uh, Cameroonian government um as always, uh, according to Anglophone Cameroonians, looked down on the English speakers and made it more difficult for them to access resources and um, uh, repress them. So in 2016, there were big protests by Anglophones uh, all across the cities in Cameroon, and the government responded uh, by cracking down, shooting people, mass arrests, um, really violently. Uh, I here in Columbus, uh, have met a few Cameroonian refugees who, uh, well, uh, asylum seekers who like, came here because they were uh, imprisoned without a trial in Cameroon for years and had to like escape prison. They, people, I met people who were tortured in prison by, by the Cameroon uh, Francophone government for creating a peaceful protests. Um, I've known people whose relatives were disappeared by this government. Um, it's really like harrowing, sad stories that people have to tell about this. It's just odd to me that, like, in media coverage of this tournament, you haven't heard anything about this, especially because now it seems like generally we're more conscious than ever of, like, the relationship between politics and sport. Um, certainly, like, around the World Cup in Russia, you know, a few years ago, for example, or um, anytime sport happens anywhere. Like, now the Olympics in China, come on. But uh, I just think it's odd that we don't hear this about, about Cameron. And I, I I would put it down to like the general ignorance of all of us in like the global north or the west or whatever you want to call it of like African politics um and I don't know maybe people just think this isn't a big deal and all this stuff is kind of complicated but I don't know for me I just think it's important to like try I, I mean these things are always like infinitely connected and it's part of what makes this really global game interest, in how it moves and shapes like with other stuff happening in the world. So I don't know. I think that's something to be aware of when you're following the nations and, you know, I think always do a little bit more research when you see this tournament is being hosted somewhere and you don't know exactly what's going on with it. But before that, so that's the end. It's like I said, not a rant, just a little bit of educational uh, discussion on, on Cameroon. But I I just wanted to say, on the actual tournament, um, I wanted to give a shout-out to Cabo Verde. Um, They uh, made it to the Round of 16 for the first time. That's a tiny island nation. uh, It's a huge deal that they made it there. But I specifically wanted to shout-out Roberto Lopez, who is a guy center-back for Shamrock Rovers. Um, His father moved to Ireland from uh Agua Verde as like a teenager and Roberto Lopez like doesn't speak Portuguese, um, didn't understand like, you know, didn't even know he was eligible to play for them. But uh nine months ago the manager of Agua Verde sent him a LinkedIn message and it was in it was in Portuguese, <laughs> so he just ignored it. He thought it was spam. <laughs> and like eventually <laughs> like the guy had like called Shamrock Rovers and like they got a translator and he's like, Oh yeah, I guess I'll go there and play and uh, and now he's in the round of 16 and they're playing against, I think they're playing against Senegal, like a huge, not now is this guy, you know, some Dubliner guy, uh, the place for sham is playing against Eddie a So shout out to him. I hope they go far. I hope someone knocks out Senegal and Egypt like right away and, uh, um, you know, enjoy the tournament, but just do so critically. That's all I, that's, that's, that's the, that's, that's the all I today.
0: <laughs> thank you. Was right, that seven yeah, minutes? Well, thank you for that. Uh, no, I think it's it was close. Off, yeah, it was about six actually. So thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, as do the listeners. Uh, but that I think we'll do for today. Uh, Caleb, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Patrick. Pleasure as always. The pleasure is mine. And we will be back soon.